Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, it's Allie for The Hollywood Life podcast and we are here with another episode of all of our celeb gossip there's a lot actually going on in the celebrity world uh and so we have bonnie fuller here my co-host to chat all about it uh ahead of another interview coming up after this uh episode i have a little friend who's joining me he does not like (laughs) my don't pay attention to him and talk to somebody else um that's my dog so bonnie um we are with Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy. They yeah. I, I but listen, I I feel like I've got two co-hosts now because yeah, you've got a, a furry little co-host there. Now you know your donkey as he's getting bigger. He's he's got a lot of red hair showing he up. He's you know, um, my twin. He yeah, I know. We twin, we do. I'll bring him on here so we can say hi. But yes, he's my Aww. little bit of a twin. He just he really one year old and he is such a good boy. But it is so true that people and their dogs resemble each other. Now, <laughs> all, all of you who are listening, you can't see, but seriously, okay, what, what's your doggy's name? His name's Jenks. So Jenks's hair is a mix of white and ginger and but his ginger which is a lot of it and his ears are ginger and they're silky it is the exact same color as Allie's hair it really is I know the reason one of the reasons we got this breed and we got him he's a King Charles Cavalier uh is because he I was like if I were a dog this is what I would look like And, (laughs) and then I just became obsessed with these dogs and because he's a King Charles, we talked last week about the coronation. These dogs are the only dogs that are allowed in, um, like inside British establishments and pubs. <laughs> law that King Charles, the original King Charles, wrote into law so his dogs could come into pubs with him. That is hilarious, boy. Queen Elizabeth, she needed to get to work. I mean, she she passed away too soon because she didn't do anything for her corgis. I know she should have. Um, so yes, a nice little furry friend always joining us. He sits right next to me, uh, as I work. So channeling, you're channeling all his opinions. Exactly. Exactly. And he has a lot. Sometimes he'll bark when I'll talk about things he just doesn't like. He's definitely a drama king. Takes after his mom. (laughs) Well, as you said, takes one to know one. Yeah, exactly. And he's joining my lap again. Um, so we are kicking off today with Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy. Um, rumored to be dating. They've been spending a lot of time together. Oh, yeah. He has been at her last six shows. Well, come on. Who goes to six shows of somebody's when they're on they aren't just an obsessive fan like they're actually they've crossed the pond because he's British and has gone to Nashville and now traveled around like who does that unless there is a romantic interest so I don't think that this is just a matter of oh yeah they're friends collaborating I think they're collaborating romantically (laughs) don't you agree I really do plus you know not only that but he's been spending time with her family like saw them talking with uh saw Maddie talking with her dad with her brother with her friends and you know I don't think that Taylor would have somebody who wasn't important to her around you know these important people um if they weren't maybe something a little more Oh, yes. I think you're, I I think we can assume that there's something a little more, maybe they're not official yet, 
because, you know, in every relationship, there has to come that moment where somebody sort of asks, brings up the topic of being official. So they're not, maybe they're not official, but they sure are hanging out a lot together. I have to say that Taylor does seem to dive in pretty headfirst into relationships and they get intense quickly. Yeah, I definitely don't agree with that. I mean, if you look at Tom Hiddleston, like the week that they started dating, he, she was parading him around, bringing him to her parents, bringing her to her, him to her friends. And, you know, I think that that definitely shows something. The one thing I will say is, you know, we know Taylor is sneaky when it comes to her next era, her like planning out all these Easter eggs amongst things with her new songs and her new albums coming out. And when she was in her 1989 era, uh-huh. first released 1989, she was wearing a lot of these like kind of rock and rolly shirts and things like that. And one of the things that she was wearing and really diving into was the 1975, which is Maddie Healy's band. And around the same time, Maddie that. was wearing 1989 shirts. So some fans do think that this is like a little ploy as she prepares to start recording uh, 1989 Taylor's version. So I think that we have to to remember that she can be a little sneaky. So I wonder if they're like doing the album together or something. Well, they could be doing the album together because she's worked with with her romantic interests before. I mean, she and Calvin Harris had a huge hit together. And Joe Alwyn wrote wrote some of the lyrics for her songs when they were together. So that's nothing new. Um, But yeah, I think she, you know, she and Maddie clearly have had an interest in each other for a long time. And maybe they were just friends before. But I still think that, you know, there's only so far that friendship goes in terms of giving up your time to be part of just promoting Mm-hmm. it's this back and forth promotion I don't know I, I think that it's more than it's more than just a professional relationship that's my guess yep he looks really happy and you know when he's in was at her concert at one at least one of her concerts he was videotaped by fans um on their phones like singing along and dancing and putting his hands over his heart and and you know He's like, really, are you conscious all the time that you're doing that just to make people think you're doing like art acting? Mm-hmm. I know. Feel feelings. I know. Well, they, they were out last night in New York City. So I think that, you know, they've definitely continued to spend time together all, all, in public and not in public. So that's the big thing. Like, you know that they're not, he's not just watching her shows. (laughs) Right. Well, listen, you know, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. I really admire her, um, her incredible musical talent, but also her, her business sense, um, her drive, her, you know, independence, like being independent as a businesswoman, not being taken advantage of, standing up for herself. I I admire her in so many ways. And I really hope that she finds her equal and finds happiness because it's really nice in life to have a a really wonderful, supportive partner. Yeah. Well, you know that, Allie, Miss Engaged. I do. Um, and then, you know, Bonnie, I wanted to talk about, we got a, we have some updates on Jamie Foxx and his health, um, after he had what's kind of like an unknown medical complication. Um, he's out of the hospital after set, spending several weeks there, um, news. And, which is great news. And, and, uh, he's reportedly in a rehab facility right now, um, kind of getting his strength back. It sounds like, well, you know, I don't think any of us have any idea of what's going wrong. I mean, going on and what went wrong. And it really is not our business either, unless he wants to talk about it um, when he's ready. But we just wish him all the best um, for a successful and full recovery. And his daughter has been, you know, very much by his side and uh, has been giving information when she feels that it's the right time. So, that's a lot of 
there's been a lot of prayers sent for sent um for him and so let's just hope it all works and that we'll be seeing him back definitely yeah there's reports that he's in a chicago kind of rehab facility but there were definitely rumors going around this weekend i had seen on twitter and stuff that people were like oh send prayers like he needs them and all the stuff and his daughter was like no he played pickleball today like he's doing okay so it was wow that's good news yeah it was just really good to hear that he was recovering and and on the mend um because he's such a you know he seems like such a great guy such a family man he and his daughter are host like have plans to host a new uh television show together so uh it seems like it's just good to hear that he's he's definitely on the mend absolutely and um and i don't know if he finished he was filming a movie that he was directing so i don't know whether that was done or if he's going to be going back to film again Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see. I know Cameron Diaz had returned to set. So um, maybe there's still work to be done. But um, other than that, yesterday, the uh, Sports Illustrated Swim 2023 covers came out. And we have 81 year old Martha Stewart gracing the cover looking as fabulous as ever. Bonnie, what did you think about? I just loved it. What a fantastic idea to have Martha doing that. And she looked incredible. I think it is so wonderful that we are, that, that we as a society are finally starting to break down, not just sexist ideas, but ageist ideas. And you know, and the, I, and you know, that ageism has always applied so much more to women in Hollywood and in the kind of bigger entertainment space and in larger in the, even in the, the career world in general than it has to men. And so um, I think one of the ways that you break that is by having role models and by having kind of public recognition that, Hey, 81, 81. Yeah. You know, you've, you've lived, you're experienced in life. You've got wisdom, knowledge, but your life's not over. You've got lots to do still. And Martha is healthy and she's, she's working busy with her empire and she looks fabulous. So it makes, I think it makes women who are, you know, kind of midlife on go, Hey, forget this whole idea of being ever over the hill. Like everybody should never think about that. Like yeah. live every day until it's your last to its fullest. Yeah, she looked absolutely amazing and seemed so comfortable and confident. And I just felt like this year's covers and models, just it was like something for everyone. You know, Megan Fox looked incredible. Um, Kim Petras is so groundbreaking and such an uh, like inspiration for so many people. Um, and then, of course, Brooks Nader uh, was found literally in this SI swim search in 2019 and was a rookie that year and now is on the cover. And it's just, um, you know, it was just this wide range of of beautiful women that with something different to offer um, everybody. And I just yeah. I was really impressed with it. Yeah, I agree. And listen, I, I'm sure you can too remember the the swimsuit, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issues that were just all supermodels and all, you know, slim, skinny models, super tall, long hair, like very much of a type, whether they were blonde or brunette. And it's just great to get out of that whole idea, stereotype of what what beauty is and, and, you know, beauty is so much more than a specific stereotype, but also beauty is much more than just like, it's more than skin deep. And, you know, Martha is such an accomplished woman and groundbreaking has been groundbreaking. So, Hey, I think it's going to make lots of women go, you know what? I'm getting in my bathing suit and I am going to feel great about it. Yeah. And she was in such like, like flattering, gorgeous looks that were completely age appropriate, but also like sexy and wow. looked amazing, which yeah. I just, I loved and appreciated. Um, I just thought she looked so good. She was like glowing. 
Well, here's what I want to say to, to everybody though. And for women and men, you want to look like Martha, wear sunscreen. You got to so wear good. sunscreen all the time, even indoors and stay out of the sun. I know that, you know, she's on the beach and, and she's in bathing suits and by pools and stuff, but really you shouldn't, you really shouldn't expose yourself, like lie out and, and try and tan yeah. your skin and her skin just looks so good. Oh, she she really always was wearing hats. Like if you think back on her old Martha Stewart living magazines, when they show her outside, a lot of times she had hats on. Yeah, she definitely does. Especially when she does like her gardening and stuff yes. and her farm. Like I feel like she's always in a hat. Yep. Protect your skin. Absolutely. Um, and then finally, we got a little do, do a little Kardashian roundup here, of course, um, we'll start off with Travis Scott and, uh, his kind of his response, uh, mm -hmm. to Kim Kardashian, or sorry, to Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet potentially dating. Um, so he apparently is like not happy about it. <laughs> um, and How dare he not yeah, even right. be, not be happy. Right. Well, remember like a few months ago, like it was early April, Travis wrote beauty on the picture of Kylie that she was promoting Kylie Cosmetics mascara account. And um, he commented beauty. So now it's he's deleted that comment, which everybody's <laughs> like, you're angry. So yeah. that was kind of the the like premise of what people were like, oh, he's upset and like not happy about this and clearly like kind of confirming that something's going on. Um, <clears throat> and then a source told Entertainment Tonight that Travis is just not thrilled about Kylie moving on. They're cordial and focused on co-parenting and being the best parents they can be. But he is like not, happy that she's, she's well, isn't that just too bad for Travis right he's had, his, he's had how many years to put a ring on it he's had two kids with Kylie he's never fully committed she has stood by him through thick and thin you know he's not been the one who hasn't wanted to make the commitment our sources have told us all many times that she I think she was very patient, but that she wanted some like a commitment and that he just wouldn't do it. So, hey, go girl. Enjoy exactly. dating Timothy Chalamet or whoever else you want to date. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, Travis had his shot and probably still does, but he's not willing to commit. So she can't wait around for him. She's no. stunning, has two kids like she deserves the love and the happiness. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to another woman who we think deserves the love and the happiness is Kim Kardashian. Um, and fans were like going nuts yesterday because well, <laughs> fans have kind of been going nuts because so there's like a few things to this. Kim has been at like all of the Lakers games and yes. everybody's like, oh my gosh, is she dating a Laker? But like, there's nobody really on the Lakers that she like could possibly be dating. So it's kind of like, yeah, she's, been there oh, with like she's been there with Saint. Yeah. Like, and, and they're all wearing like Tristan Thompson's number. So it's like the, whatever, like that's a question and a half, but people, there are rumors that she is dating an athlete, maybe not a, a basketball player, but an athlete. So now reportedly kim is shopping around for a house in baker's bay in the bahamas and it's the same area where tom brady has a house so of course everybody's like kim's dating tom brady like the two most like eligible bachelor bachelorettes like they were like kim and tom brady are together um and <laughs> a source has or not even a source it's the rep it's the rep is openly Tommy Tom Brady's rep is openly like they are not dating they are friends Kim reached out to Tom for advice on shopping around this neighborhood and he was really helpful to her he pointed her in some directions and made a couple of recommendations they've been in touch but they are strictly friends uh Tom and Kim are not dating guys <laughs> okay well 
I think that's just interesting period that Tom and Kim are friends because it makes you wonder, okay, so where did they meet? They haven't really traveled in the same circles. I mean, yeah, they're celebrities. So I guess celebrities, you know, go to gala events and, and they go to all kinds of, you know, fancy award shows and whatever they could bump into each other, but it is a bit odd that we've never seen them together or heard that they were friends before. So that is a bit, that is kind of a bit interesting whether they're dating or not. And maybe they are just have become friends somehow. And who knows where that will go, but listen, they are both eligible they're they both have kids their kids are very important to them like you can see they would have certain things in common they're both really into like he is so into staying physically fit i'm sure even now and you know he has these crazy diets that you know pure food and everything and kim has done all of that kind of stuff as well so you can see they'd have things to talk about and they have a lot of real estate True. I just like don't see them like I just don't feel like they'd have a lot in common other than like like what would they talk about? You know, like it's not like Tom's into necessarily fashion. It's not like she's into football, but uh, you know, but maybe well, like she I did date Re- Reggie Bush. She's dated athletes yeah. a lot. She likes an athlete. Yeah. I wonder like, but then at the same time, I like guess I don't know what like Giselle and Tom talked about, but Giselle really put her career on hold to like support Tom and his career. But now that he's retired, there's not necessarily, I guess, a need to do that. But he's now, you know, he's in the entertainment world now. He produced um, that movie that had Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. Yeah, for Brady. Yes, he he did that. He's yeah. commentating. He's gonna be a commentator. Got, right. He's, got, he's producing a TV show. So you could see that there's there's things that they would have in common. But you know, her passion is um is justice, is uh, you know, mental justice reform. Yeah. Right. And and I assume that she's wasn't she going to be interning with a law firm? Like to was talk about that. That she was going to be asked to, to yeah. her law degree. She still has, you know, she still has studying to do. I don't think she's completed all of the, the uh, work that she's got to do to be a lawyer. So, you know, that I don't see that they have in common, but I guess we're just going to have to watch. But even if you are starting to date, that's a really huge commitment buying real, like a place close to somebody in a kind of a fairly small community like that, because then if it doesn't work out, it is awkward. Like you can run into each other. Yeah. Well, and his rep has already said that they are not dating, but I do think it's interesting that she's buying real estate in the Bahamas. Like they're a big Turks and Caicos kind of Cabo family. Like the Bahamas is, a, is on the opposite side. Uh, yeah, that's a far way from, to, from LA and Calabasas to get to. Yeah. I know so it's, that was kind of confusing. it's Florida. Right. That was kind of confusing to me because that's really far for them. Um, and I thought I was thinking that she was there. Jackie O, Jackie Onassis, her childhood home in uh, the Hamptons just uh, went up for sale. And everybody thinks that Kim's going to buy that. Mm-hmm. That that seems like it would make more sense. Right. Agreed. Yeah. But, I mean, Good for her. Listen, she's got, she's pretty much a billionaire. Yeah. So she's got a lot of money. Real estate's a good investment. Definitely. Maybe she's just looking for various investment, like investment properties. properties. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we will just, definitely. Have to... Just like we do, Allie, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I do in all my spare time. I just look for investment properties. Yeah. Multi million. all my money. Trillion dollar investment properties. Yep, a hundred percent. Well, guys, we have a really wonderful podcast today. Um, interview after this with Anna Klutz. Her book, Make Your Own Magic, Make My Own Magic, is out. Uh, and so we had a wonderful conversation with her. Uh, so stay tuned for that. 
Yeah. And there's lots uh, that you can really learn from her about, you know, she was in a marriage for a long time and she talk about kind of throwing yourself into your husband's career, like what Giselle did. She really gave it up for her career, for her husband, and she's had to remake her life and she's done it. So there's lots of inspiration and advice there for anybody who's feeling like they need to, to have that. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you guys for listening and enjoy the interview. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, we're here with the Hollywood Life podcast and we've got a lovely guest today who's got some very big news. And I think it's, it's she's, she's going to tell us about her life, which is so relatable. You're all going to really relate to her and her new book. But before I do that, I've got to say hi to my co-anchor, Ali Stagnita. Hey, Ali. Hi, Bonnie. Yes, so excited for our guest today. We had her sister here uh, about two weeks ago. And so we're very excited to have her here on the podcast today. Um, also for similar reasons, two books. You guys are just like <laughs> novel writing sisters. Um, and so we're very excited to have you on. Bonnie, I'll let you introduce our special guest today. Okay. Well, everybody, we are joined today by author and like travel Instagram star, <laughs> Anna Klutz. Hey, Anna. Hi, thank you. I like that. I like that title. That's fun. <laughs> um, she's all of those things and more. Um, Anna, we're so excited to have you today um, upon or ahead of the release of your book, um, My Own Magic, that comes out on May 16th. And um, Bonnie and I had the privilege of reading your book and uh, really kind of inspiring ourselves to uh, find our own magic. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Thank you for reading it. I know taking the time to read is is a luxury. It's not always something we can do. It well, is. it's a it's a it's a really interesting read. But and also once you start, you don't want to stop. Like you really want to just keep going and find out what happens. And I it's it's about your marriage. You got, you met the man of your dreams very young at 19. And it seemed that you were in this, a magical romance for life. And things didn't exactly go as you thought they were going to go as expected. And I'll let you tell us more about why you wrote this book. But I want to say, I think that this, first of all, everyone all of those who are watching our video, here's the cover of the book. It's it's really beautiful. And it's just like, so uh, I love the colors, the rainbowy colors. And you have a dedication here that's so meaningful. And it says, for anyone who has ever felt invisible and needs to find their own magic. So let you describe what your book is about. My uh, my book is about uh, it kind of spans a decade uh, in my twenties, which are you know years where we're all kind of figuring out who we are and what we want and making these very big decisions to actually be making so young, and uh, it's kind of about how I was on a path to do all of these things and make all these choices and live out all these dreams I had, and then uh, I kind of lost myself in the midst of a relationship. I. I met someone, it felt like a fairy tale. I started to build my world and my life around someone else um, and ultimately ended up quite lost and, and quite unhappy, despite the fact that it all looked very glamorous and, and perfect and beautiful. Um, and I spent a long time trying to convince myself those feelings weren't valid until 
I, you know, eventually reached a point of, of just complete and utter despair. And then my marriage ended and I was left without a home husband and job on the same day. And so it's about also how to rebuild when that happens, how to, you know, take these doors closing and use them as reframe it as an opportunity to then go create a new life and, and build a life of your dreams instead of just a life that, that you were complacent in. Mm -hmm. And there's so many, um, things to be played on the title, uh, that you ended up choosing called my own magic. Tell me, tell us a little bit about how you decided to go with that and how it kind of sets up the rest of the book for you. I, I went with it because I was, um, I was reading aloud, an essay I wrote that is now in the book, um, or part partially in the book. And I was uh, sort of in the midst of this, you know, moment of really struggling with wanting my own career and, and wanting my own life and wanting to pour time and energy into my dreams, but feeling very confined by what I could do and, and what I was outside of my marriage, because my marriage defined so much of me, I didn't feel like I could really do anything on my own or, or be anything on my own. Um, and I, I said out loud in sort of a, a, a sound bath workshop I was doing, we had to say what we wanted to be. And I, and I said, I, I wanted to be magic. And someone really quickly chimed in and, and said, you are magic. You're married to magic. And I said, no, I am my own magic. I, I didn't want to be defined by someone else. I wanted to, to own what made me great and and find it and trust it and, and use it as, as fuel to go live out my dreams. Um, and it was after I read that essay that someone actually, I wish I remember who it was, <laughs> wrote to me and said, that's your book title. And I was like, yeah. And then it just stuck in, in nothing else ever, um, nothing else ever made sense. And it had to be that then. Wow. Well, of course there's a double meaning because you were in a very unusual marriage because you were married to a magician. Like what? How, how many girls grow up and think, oh, I really want to marry a magician. Like I know. That's, you know, there's not a lot of magicians <laughs> around. And you met one and he was very handsome and he swept you away and he had a burgeoning career. And you, event, in order for you to be together, because he traveled a lot, you became his assistant. Mm -hmm. And it did seem like a very glamorous life. In fact, it seems so glamorous that when you did get married, you were in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. You were that special New York Times wedding uh, style section and were the featured wedding with these gorgeous photos of the two of you and your whole wedding party. Not many weddings have a three-act magic show in the middle of them. So I think <laughs> I think that got a that's what got their attention. Got a write-up. Um <laughs> so and yeah, so Bonnie's correct in in uh the kind of double entendre of the title. But um I'm curious, you know, when was this like sound bath when you were you always thinking about writing a book? Like was this like I was searching for a book title and I found it then, or was it like when I write a book one day, that will be my title? No, no. So this was I was um I, I mean, I have wanted to write a book since I was a little girl. I wanted to be a writer forever. And I spent all the time, I, I started my first blog when I was 18 and I moved abroad and it was just for family and friends. And then I, I have blogs, I have journals from always. And I have said from the time I was little, I want to write a book. And I always just said, I don't know what it will be about, but I, I want to write a book. I know I'm supposed to, I just don't know what it's supposed to be. And so it, it's so strange, you know, how life things work out when when they're supposed to like this was very clearly the book I was supposed to write but I needed to I needed to live it first <laughs> before I could write it right um, but that sound bath happened right before my marriage kind of really ended um but it was only as I was writing that writing about it afterward I did a ton of writing after you know a, kind of as healing and therapy and then I started reading those essays out loud on on Instagram even before I was really working on the book. I was just writing and then started reading. Um, and so I was writing about that sound bath and kind of recognizing as often happens when we reflect, like this is the whole, you know, it's why memoir is an art form. You're, you're looking back on things and you're reliving them from a point of, you know, the now, and you have perspective and you see things 
that were important that you didn't realize how important they were in that moment. And you, you realize things, you know, you look back and you see sadness and you see beauty and you see the lesson you learned. And um, that's why I think it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things to read. And, and it was a really amazing thing to be able to write because when we all do this, when we look back at these moments, we realize like how pivotal so many things were that, you know, we didn't necessarily know at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I think while your message in this book is so universal, will appeal to so many women and, and men, um, is how, you know, in trying to make a marriage work or a relationship work, how much you were prepared to really not pay attention to your own needs. Like you really felt that you, there was something wrong with you because you were submerging your needs and you weren't happy in this situation with, you know, the successful, you know, loving yeah. husband and being part of this exciting world, you traveling constantly. And yet your, your own person was being completely submerged. Yeah, we, I, I was gaslighting myself. Um, I was every feeling I had and I started to feel it early. And that's something, you know, again, I didn't really even fully realize until I was really looking back, like just from the day I met my ex-husband, the first thing I felt was less than I was so enamored with him. Everything he said and told me in this first conversation, I, I remember walking away from that being like, he would never like me, like in comparison, I am, I am dirt. Like I have done nothing. Like he's, I'd put him on this pedestal and like, I didn't realize that at the time. I didn't realize that until much later that like from day one, I felt like I was less than him. And, and that narrative only kind of like continued and continued. And then I was just willing to do anything to be the kind of person that he would want to be with or need to be with and sort of trading away these, you know, big pieces of myself to work with his life or fit in his life or be more interesting, you know, and it, that's how I lost myself so completely. And I think a lot of us do this. We either trade away so, so, so much. And then when it starts to bother us or hurt us, we bury that feeling. Like our, our inner voice is trying to tell us what's wrong so desperately. I now look back being like, I'm in there begging myself not to do these things, begging myself to, to speak up, to, 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 you know, stand up, to do something. And I'm just, cutting myself off. I'm just missing myself. I'm telling myself that's crazy or that's impossible or I'm, or I'm selfish or I'm ridiculous. And I'm making up all these excuses as to why my feelings aren't valid instead of stopping and listening. Like, you know, how do I feel? Am I happy? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something we, we all do and we have to stop. Like we, you got to listen when your inner voice is really trying to tell you something, we have to tune into it instead of tune it out. Mm-hmm. When you talk about kind of gaslighting yourself, do you, and, and in reflecting um, while writing the book and the essays, did do you blame, I mean, not blame, I, I shouldn't say, um, was it a mix of the two of you, do you think just not being right for each other? Or was it how he was treating you and making you feel that made you feel that way? Like, I, I think that that's an interesting term of like gaslighting yourself, like people don't realize that they do that. Yeah, we, we don't realize it because um, it, it was, I, I always say like, I was so young when I entered this relationship, I didn't know what I really wanted yet. I didn't have like, you know, now I know the things that I would never trade away. I know what's sacred to me. I know what's important to me. I know what, you know, what defines me and I didn't know yet. So I very willingly, you know, I traded away a lot of these things because I didn't know how important they were to me. Mm-hmm. So it was completely, you know, it was, it was, it was me like choosing this. I, I say, I, I walked into this with open arms and I not realizing I was putting myself in a box. I, I stepped into a career as a magician's assistant, not realizing it came with metaphorical handcuffs. Like 
I, you know, but then once I realized I wasn't happy, I, that's when I started invalidating myself and saying like, this feeling isn't fair. You, you don't, you have no right to feel like this. You, you're, you're selfish, you're spoiled. Like you have to be happy in this life. There's nothing that wrong for you to be upset about. And, and that was, that was me. That was me telling myself, like, you have to figure out a way to get over these feelings because you have no right to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And doing that kind of thing can, I mean, that really leads to depression when you repress your true self that much. It reminded exactly. me a little bit. I don't know if you ever read Margaret Atwood's um, book, The Edible Woman. Mm-mm. But it's she writes about the same experience about feeling like her in this case it was her fiance how she was twisting to fit into his life and to be the perfect woman for him and she came to feel like she was literally being eaten like eaten by him um and and losing herself like she was just dissolving into nothing in order to make herself part of his life. But the interesting thing was, too, is that it was in the end, it was your husband who was the one who pulled the plug on the marriage. Why, why do you feel like even though you were trying so hard to make this work, that he wasn't satisfied? I don't I actually don't think it is at all that, that I, I looked at it as um, I say in my book, he was more willing to accept that this wasn't a good match than Mm -hmm. I was in my head. We were married. I had chosen this and I was not about to break my marriage. And it was a combination of me, you know, feeling like marriage is a very sacred thing. I took a vow of better or worse till death do us part. And that really meant something to me. Um, And then also being terrified to exist without him. Because even though I wasn't really happy, the idea of not having him and not and being where I ended up, no job, no home, no husband, was crippling Way with like, crippling with fear. And and the, that was more scary to me than continuing to just live a life that I was, you know, not really that happy with, but again, telling myself that was my fault and I could fix that. Like I didn't have a right to be happy. There were no real problems. Um, that's kind of, I wasn't really willing to, to face the reality of like, this isn't working. We're two good people, but we're not right for each other, good for each other. And we will be better off. You know, I, I didn't believe that I would be better off on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why I, I say in my book that, you know, failure was essential to my success and essential to my story, because without that marriage failing, I would have never picked up my life and moved to Paris. I would have never lived that dream. I would have never started writing this book. You know, I, I was, I was doing something, I was doing everything for someone else and spending all my time and energy on someone else. Cause you know, I, that's what I'd signed up for. And it, that marriage ending and all of that ending left this fire in me of like, we got to figure this out. <laughs> like, you, yeah. you know, it was panic mode. I like, I had to start choosing things and I had to choose me because it was just me now. And, and with all that time and energy back to devote into myself, instead of trying to save a marriage that was clearly not serving me, uh, that's when just everything, I mean, it, it was crazy how fast everything fell into place when I just started focusing my time and energy on myself. Yeah. I definitely in reading, didn't find that it was a, like, a not satisfied within the marriage thing. I think that like you both could have kept going, you know, and being living alongside of each other almost, but not necessarily knowing that it was right until you know, one person kind of had to put their foot down. Um, But similarly, I like I've been through some experiences that, you know, you're almost like I really related to it in in a way of like, you're scared to like be alone with yourself because you don't really know yourself. And so like, and you're supposed to be your own best friend and, and this and that. But when you're not able like like being alone is really a scary thought, especially when you've been with someone for so long, or you always kind of feel like you need somebody around. And so like, 
I know I remember when I had like pre-vaccine COVID and I had to be alone in my apartment for two weeks and it was the scariest thing because I was like, what am I going to do with myself? Like, I'm not fun. And it was like my mom, <laughs> like the best thing that ever happened to me because I was like, I took care of me and I was like able to like learn about myself. And so I think that that was like a major reflection that I saw. I mean, on such a smaller scale, like mine was two weeks. Yours was like traveling the world and really like investing in yourself and getting to know yourself is what I found. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I understand completely. I, I, and I'm sure a lot of people have that same, like it's the fear of alone. Um, I actually have always really liked being on my own. I like my alone time, but fear of starting over, which was what was so scary for me. Yeah. Like I'd been with this person for 10 years, my whole life revolved around them. And I knew so much because it was, it was his apartment, his career and him. Like I was losing everything if, if this marriage ended and the thought of starting everything over from the ground up was just terrifying. And I didn't actually feel like I could do it. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe in myself. Um, which is so sad because yeah. what happened, when I, you know, when I lit that fire and, and, and I had to go back and remind myself what I was capable of. I had to give myself credit for everything that I actually had done on my own, even during, you know, during my relationship, it's, it's so easy to glaze over that and not look at what we're doing and not give ourselves enough props and not take pride and not give credit to ourselves where credit is due. But yeah. when you look back and really take inventory, and that's kind of what I had to do because I felt incapable, I had to remind myself that I was awesome and I could do a bunch of stuff and I had done a bunch of things on my own. And I, I had, you know, I had accomplished a lot before I met this person and I could continue to accomplish things without him. Mm -hmm. um, well, and you and also, and you, you accomplished a lot with him yeah. in terms of managing his career, like you can't, you have to give yourself credit for all the skills you learned. And during being his manager and assistant, um, one of the things that kind of was, um, I guess, a symbol of how the marriage couldn't move forward is that he, he never wanted to move out of the apartment, his bachelor apartment that you ended up both sharing. And when you finally did break away, your joy in having your own place, like a place that you could decorate because you never were able to put your imprint on his apartment. Um, I, I just, I felt that so much. And now you're sitting in this beautiful room. Is this your apartment in Paris? My home, yes. And uh, yeah, I, uh, that was a, it's so interesting how that bothered me so deeply that I didn't actually have a place of my own. Um, and, and I, that's another thing I just kept trying to tell myself wasn't that big of a deal. Cause again, you know, and any, any space you get in Manhattan, you just are thankful for it, especially if it's in a somewhat good neighborhood and you're like, <laughs> have an elevator I'm I'm never moving you know right. you're, you're willing to, so I again I didn't feel I had the right to complain about the fact that I had you know zero there was zero evidence of me that I even lived in this apartment for six years it mm. deeply bothered me but every time I felt bothered I was like stop being a brat like you have an apartment in New York City to live in that is in Chelsea and has a, you know, people would kill for this. Like what, why can't you just be grateful for what you have? But like, actually that was a totally valid desire to live somewhere and, and have some shred of evidence that, that it looks like you <laughs> have your home be a comfortable place. It's a reflection of you. Like, and it, it you know, it, it took, uh, it took some time. It took someone else pointing that out to me someone else saying like, these are valid feelings. You deserve to have a home that feels like a home, mm -hmm. uh, and moving here and, and setting up this apartment, which was by no means easy. It was horrible to be honest. Um, most complicated, you know, frustrating thing I've probably done in the last couple of years, but, uh, it, it felt incredible to, to do that and to finally, 
And I still feel it every time I walk in this room. I Yesterday, I got my book, the final book that you're holding. I got it finally in France and and I held it and looked at it. But then it hit me double that it that I'm opening it here in this apartment I I designed and created and, and made into my home. And it was just like this realization of like two dreams happening at, at once. And I was like, I pretty much cried all day yesterday oh. um, because it was just so, it was so amazing. Um, why do you think that women in particular are so hard on themselves in these relationships and situations? Like, why do women, like, I never hear a guy be like, stop complaining about that. Like, get it together. Like you're lucky, you know, but I do hear women doing that to themselves. You know, I, it's, it's strange. I, I wish there was an answer. I, I think what's important is just to realize that we do it and, and to try to train ourselves otherwise, uh, because we are like, maybe just like the stereotype of, of, uh, women overreacting is larger, you know, I mean, this is something where, you know, at least I know I've been told in past relationships. So, uh, you know, you're, you're overreacting, you're, you're, you're over the top, you're, you know, you, you cry, at, you cry at the drop of a hat. Like maybe we're constantly fed this narrative of like, we're unstable and this then like makes us question ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a very easy thing to do if someone else is telling you that, you know, th that you're, nuts or something you're right. gonna say, it's like anything that you you hear often or you tell yourself often you really do start to believe it becomes your reality uh it becomes your narrative and um I think that's why we're we're willing to you know start to wonder like well if people are telling me that I that I overreact do I and and you're always questioning yourself then mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you I I you know I've looked at your Instagram and, um, you know, it seems like you have found love. Like you thought this is it. My life's over. I can't, I've got no career. I've got no place to live. I've got no love, but Paris has been magic for you in multiple ways, because aside from rediscovering yourself and getting your own place and writing and doing your book, you've, you actually, I mean, it's incredible. It's like what everyone would want that you found love in your own apartment building. <laughs> Truly crazy. What's funny is when I moved here, um, like finding love again was the last thing on my mind. Like I wanted to just, you know, I wanted to fall in love with me. I, I didn't care about finding love. And I, I was dating because I felt like I honestly just like needed to. I had a, I'd been with the same person for 10 years. And I was like, I probably should just go on some dates. So I'm not like totally socially awkward when I am ready to go on. <laughs> um, I was like, there practice. are with more dating experience than I currently have. So I, I was going on dates, but I was by no means looking for a boyfriend or anything serious. I was really embracing the time alone and embracing the, like the new life I was creating and that, you know, I didn't know anybody here. Um, but like they say, things always <laughs> happen when you're, when you're not looking for them. But I also believe at that point, I was just so like, I was so fulfilled with who I was and what I was doing. I was just so focused on me, um, that like, I think you, you, you attract what you are. Um, and this person entered my life in, you know, the craziest way. He was my upstairs neighbor <laughs> before Emily in Paris, you know, Emily in Paris. <laughs> before this, I mean, it was nuts. Um, and, and I almost didn't want a relationship to be honest. I kind of told him from very early on, like, I am not looking for a boyfriend just so you know, uh, which is probably like, actually, you know, <laughs> what do we, what do we as women think when we hear that from a man, we're like, I will change his mind and he will love me. You know, it's, in some ways it's like the actual like worst reverse bait. Um, but I was very like, I don't really want a boyfriend right now. I'm really happy just being by myself and like owning this time of like recreation and reinvention. And I'm, I'm busy. I got a book to write and like, I don't need anybody. Um, but yeah, but you know, what are you supposed to do when the most wonderful person ever wanders in and happens to live upstairs and, uh, you know, then you're like, okay, I guess actually 
you can stay. Yeah. And you're like, and you can come to my apartment because it's mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and what does what does your new boyfriend do since your husband had such an unusual profession? He works in um in apartments in Paris. He works on uh, renovations and which is very cool because the apartments here are all renovations. There's no new construction. This yeah. is Canada. you're not allowed to new Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Construct. Um, so he's always sending me, like, really cool interiors. He knows I love history. He knows I love everything old. Uh, so he'll, you know, send me pictures of like some amazing stained glass wall or some beautiful kind of molding or, you know, he found a, they were doing a renovation the other day and he found a newspaper from 1930, like tucked in the wall or something, brought it home. And I'm like, we have to frame this. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the history geek in me is losing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a very different, uh, very different world uh, than than before. <laughs> and and I, I I love how you pointed out and you showed video that of him dancing, that he likes to dance because your ex-husband would never dance with you. Yeah, he Swan. <laughs> sorry, I don't want to say his name. Uh, my my boyfriend loves to dance. It's it's funny how there's some of the things that you know when, when you're in a relationship and it it doesn't work out it kind of causes you to take a toll and go, okay, then if I'm, if I'm going to be with someone else, like what are the things I really do need in someone? If, if that wasn't a, a good pairing, then what kind of things do I need that, that, that will be? Um, and he exudes so much joy all the time and is, is so excited about life and, and shows that through, you know, dancing or, you know, celebrating or singing. And, and that's a lot like me. It's, you know, we're very similar in that way. And, and it's very, it's fun. We are often dancing down the streets together, uh, shamelessly. And, and I, and I love that. I felt a lot of like eat, pray, love through the book because you really, yes, on your travels, um, around the world. Was there anywhere that you went, like, of course, Paris, which is now where you've settled, but like, was there anywhere you went where you felt the most pivotal change within yourself? You know, it, it happens slowly. It's, you know, things they, they accumulate. And, uh, I think in every place I visited, I kind of learned something new. And so, it, like it would change a specific aspect of me, but uh, like in my early traveling, I I really realized that you know the, the more of the world I was seeing, I really realized that I wanted what I ultimately spend all my time doing to help people in some way, um, and I was at the time selling thousand dollar doorknobs and I was like this isn't really fulfilling <laughs> I didn't even know there was a thing that that was a thing thousand dollar uh, doorknobs yeah and I mean that listen people need to be able to open their doors so I'm not saying that's not helpful but I really realized like I what I realized is I need my job to really fulfill me and to make me feel like what I'm spending 40 plus hours a week on is is potentially helping or improving uh, someone else's day to day. Uh, and so like, that is something travel taught me. I didn't really realize that until I started visiting new places, seeing different realities, uh, seeing people who, you know, were in developing nations. And, and it really made me realize that, you know, I wanted what I do every day to, to matter to someone, um, that was a huge change that sparked, uh, you know, you're always, I, I picked up a lot of different things from a lot of different places. And yeah. that's why travel is so powerful because every place will teach us something different. And you put yourself in these situations that are new and these cultures that are different from you. And, 
you find yourself in scenarios where you don't speak the same language as somebody and you still have to get by and and there's so much to learn and it's why now like travel is sacred to me and especially solo travel um it's something that I really identified is so important to me and that I will never give up regardless of of who I'm with and what happens. Like, I know that is something I need to prioritize and find a way to do forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if it's just once per year, even if that's all reality allows for, like it, it's sacred to me. I have to do that. Yeah. Well, and it seems, you know, I know after the loss of um, Amanda's husband, Nick, your family has really openly embraced this um, celebration of life and living every day to your fullest live your life. You and your sister wrote um, a book about Nick and his life. Um, is Did this, but it seems like you had had kind of that mindset prior already a little bit um, as well. How um, do you continue to, you know, live your life um, to remember um, your brother-in-law and, and also just to continue to like stick with, with those rules of life? You know, I, the thing about going through any kind of loss and whether that's a, you know, the loss of a person you thought you were going to spend your life with or the loss of a loved one, you know, it's all, it's all sadness and grief. And for me going through that and feeling that really dark moment, when you feel the joy again, like when, when you get past, not that you ever get past it. I don't think the grief ever shrinks, but it's, it takes up so much of you in that moment because you can't feel the joy. You feel dark and it feels like the sadness and the grief just consumes all of you. But as you slowly start expanding out and, and finding new joys and finding new passions and finding new love, the, the size of the grief is always there. It's always the same, but the size of the joy starts to grow around it until joy ultimately consumes more of you than that sadness does. And, and I almost feel like we owe it to ourselves to go chase that joy when we've gone through these difficult things, because when you survive it and you know, you know, you come out stronger then you, you have to go celebrate that it's, you know, Nick reminded me what just an absolute privilege it is to be able to move my body, you know, seeing someone lie in a hospital bed for 90 days, not able to even move their eyes, just reminded me to dance every day that I can. And, and I feel like in doing that, you are celebrating the fact that I'm healthy. I woke up today, I can move. So I'm going to move. And I never complain about exercise or anything like that. It's a privilege. Yeah. Um, And, you know, these, these sad moments, I, you know, you, you lose love. And then when you see love, it, it, you celebrate it. You're like, how beautiful is that? Like, I didn't have that, but look, look at what it can look like and look at what it look, how beautiful it can exist when it's there. And then when you find it, when, when love happens to you, whether that's, you know, with a partner or, or with a, a, a job or a passion or a hobby, like then you, you've, you're so you're, you're feeling it more intensely than almost ever because when something's taken away from you for a while and then you get it back, you know, it's, it's like when you're in a dark room and the light goes on and it's blinding because it's been so dark. And that's how I feel about like celebration and joy after sadness is like when it comes back on again, it is blinding how, how, how bright and amazing it is. And then, you know, then we adjust and we get used to it and we can lay in this spot of just like oh yeah it's 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 light out but we have to always think of that moment where it first goes on and we feel like whoa uh because that's so powerful and we should we can feel like that all the time about little things if we choose to yeah i think that's a wonderful wonderful message to um you know everyone who's listening or viewing our conversation and also the message that is in your book would you be open, do you think, to a marriage again? Or is that something you wouldn't after having gone there, you're so happy in love, but it's not that you want to take that other step again? You know, 
It's interesting. I've, um, and again, my thoughts on this has, have evolved in early days of divorce. I was like, I will never get married again. You couldn't, no way. It's just me and hopefully a lot of dogs. And then, you know, you heal and you recover. And, uh, uh what I would say now is it's just, it's, it's not something I'm by any means close to, but it's just not my top priority. Uh, where I think when we are younger or unmarried, it is so normal to just be so focused on like, I just, I have to find someone. I have to, I have to meet the person. I have to get married. I, I have to have this wedding. Like it, it feels like this thing you have to do. And if you haven't done it, people are like, you're not married or like, how old are you? Well, time is ticking. <laughs> and you know, it, it's so, it's so sad that that's, that's the reality, but we're all chasing this goal of especially young when we're, when we're so young, we don't even know who we are or what we want. And we're just chasing getting married. So I'm, I'm not in that mindset. I'm like, I I'm with someone I love very deeply. I, I don't want them out of my life. Uh, and, and I plan to spend my life with them. I'm sure at one point we'll get married, but I'm not like, where's the ring? When's it coming? I'm actually the opposite. I'm, I'm like, good like we should just stay like this for a while <laughs> just, it's, uh, it's not my focus yes well your well, focus which is your book that is coming out on may 16th you're married to the book um and we love it we love it yes, yes i we highly recommend my own magic a reappearing act by anna klutz Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Anna, and sharing you. your life and your your advice and the how the, the, the door will open again and bring in light. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was so nice to talk with you. Talk Great to talk to you.